What's going on, everybody? Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. James Marilat, Rachel Veal, hanging out with you on this Monday morning. This Monday morning with lots of news already, James. One preseason game done, and then the news just starts to pile in. But we got to start with what happened in the game. Jonathan Griffiths being out for four to six weeks with a left elbow injury, dislocated elbow. It's a tough break for him. You know, he was getting a lot of those one reps, but now we got to go without him. And they do make a sign in Joe Schobert who will now most likely replace Jonas Griffith. So kind of just some information there for everybody. And then we also got Randy Gregory and Billy Turner coming off the PUP list as well. So a lot of information piling in today. How are you, first of all, James? I'm good. I'm good. So, yes, a lot to digest there. So the Jonas Griffith news, I mean, that was a bummer. You feel bad for him. We had him on uh, the fan. Uh, I think it was uh, Stokely and Zach that had him on and just kind of hearing his story and you know, where he's come from and kind of the, the underdog route to get here and to be the starter. Uh, you hate to see that second play of the first preseason game. He, he hurt his arm and it looked kind of ugly, right? Like he spun around and he went down and like his arm just wasn't moving at all. He was moving every other part of his body in pain and that wasn't moving. So he knew it was going to be pretty serious. So that was a bummer. That's a shame. It's a position they were looking at upgrading anyway. They had Joe Schobert in a couple of weeks ago. They were a finalist to get uh, Anthony Barr, who wound up going to the Cowboys. So now they end up signing Schobert. Uh, I think that that was probably a move they would have done anyway. Now this just made it to where it was a necessity. And then in terms of the two guys coming off the pup list, Randy Gregory coming back, great news. The hope is that he's going to be out there September 12th against the Seahawks for the opener. That's four weeks from today. He's off the pup list. Seems like it's tracking that direction. And Billy Turner, a guy that they brought in to be the starting right tackle, it's been Calvin Anderson during training camp, struggled mightily in camp against the, when he was going against the Broncos. That continued last Thursday against the, uh, against the Cowboys. He was fine in the preseason game. He was the one starter that, that played in the game. Um, but I, I think the Broncos need some reinforcements there. So uh, for the most part, good news today for the Broncos. Three pieces of good news, one piece of bad news. That's a pretty good ratio. Okay, so who are you more excited to see coming off the PUP list in Randy Gregory or Billy Turner? Randy Gregory. Now, look, Billy Turner might be more impactful, but in terms of who you're most more interested in, uh-huh. an edge rusher is always more exciting and interesting to me than a right tackle. Yep. Um, that's just the way it goes with offensive linemen, right? Like the, 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 they're having a great game if you don't even notice them. Randy Gregory's having a great game if you do any if, if they, you can't help but notice him. So mm-hmm. certainly more excited to uh, to see him. Bradley Chubb is at a really good training camp. Um, Baron Browning was, in my mind, the star of the game on Saturday night. He's a guy that the Broncos need to get need to get creative with and figure out, okay, how do we get him on the field? Because if Chubb and Gregory are healthy, they're your starting edge rushers. Is Baron Browning a guy that they can maybe use in a Micah Parsons type of role, given the fact that he played inside last year? Now he's moved to the edge. Just move him all over the field, get him on, get him on the field and see what he can do. So uh, Randy Gregory, I'm excited to see what he looks like. He's a big-time impact player when he's on the field. He's just not on the field enough. Some of that's been his fault. Some of it's been bad luck with injuries. So this is a piece of good news for sure. Baron Browning, yeah, let's talk about him because he had a spectacular game on Saturday night. Um, he was actually our player of the game voted on by the fans. You can do so after every Broncos game. You get to vote who is our player of the game. So make sure you look out on all of our social channels for that. Four tackles, three solo tackles, three solo tackles, excuse me, one sack and then one pass defended. He was spectacular and so much fun to watch. But how impressed are you with the fact that he was able to go from the inside to the edge? And he seems to have done it just so seamlessly. Yeah, very impressed. And and to be honest with you, I was worried about it because we've Mm -hmm. seen it 
in Denver before where this hasn't gone well, right? Demarcus Walker was a second round pick out of Florida State, had a ton of talent coming out of college. Broncos couldn't decide if they wanted him inside on the D line, outside. They gained he gained weight, he lost weight, it just went back and forth and never really found a home. Justin Hollins was another one that they did that with. He never found a home here, goes uh, goes elsewhere and plays well. So when I start hearing, hey, we're going to change positions, it just makes me feel like, man, just another guy that's going to be a tweener that they can't figure out what to do with him. And lo and behold, it's worked out. I had a feeling it was going to. I hosted a pregame with Kyle Reese on Saturday. And Baron Browning, not to pat myself on the back, but he was my pick to be the player of the game. And it whoa, was- whoa, whoa, James, James. I listened to you. You yeah. had about four players for each no, no. thing that you did. And I nailed, nailed it down to one. <laughs> you're, you're right. I did have five. <laughs> um, but you're right. You're right. But I did. He was my final one. And the reason, though, Rachel, was because uh, Nathaniel Hackett went out of his way in training camp, one of the post-practice pressers, to talk about how well Baron Browning was playing mm-hmm. and to kind of pat himself and the other coaches on the back for making that move. And that, hey, we didn't think the switch would be as effective as it has been. So uh, I thought that was kind of a hint that, hey, this is a guy that going against the, the Cowboys twos might really shine. Now, the next step is, hey, can you do that against other team starters? But you can only go against who's out there. And if you're a guy that can make the leap to be a big-time player, you should dominate against the other team's twos. Baron Browning did. That's step one. Now let's see if he can take step two. No, 100%. The run game. It was very obvious that Nathaniel Hackett wasn't pleased with how the run game looked, which is where we all thought was a main area of, hey, they've got a lot of depth here, so maybe we're going to see some good things to kind of shine. How concerned are you after just one preseason game of not having a spectacular run game? Uh, I'm mildly concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you didn't have Javante Williams. You didn't have Melvin Gordon. Most of the starters up front in terms of the offensive line weren't out there. So I don't think it's a huge deal. Uh, you know, I, I think we, if you get through week one, week two, and you're still not running the ball very well, when all the starters are out there and your two star running backs are out there, that would be a concern. So, I, you know, I'm not going to totally dismiss it because they were bad. What was it, 22 carries or 23 carries for 39 yards? And, you know, at the halftime show when Will and I were on, I think it was eight carries for nine yards at that point. So I, I don't want to totally dismiss it, but I'm also not going to, you know, wring my hands too much about it, given the fact that it was primarily backups that were involved in that. Okay, so now Joe Sherbert's obviously signing with the Broncos. Roquan Smith was a name. A lot of people were like, oh, we need to hop on this. A lot of people even here at the fan were like, oh, this is a huge signing. Uh, John Davis and I talked about this on Sunday morning on 104.3. And really, while it makes sense for us to bring him in, because he's such a big name, it doesn't make sense for us to be able to give anybody to him. And obviously with having no picks, there's it's just kind of a messy trade. But obviously, would you still want him to come out here if it was a possibility at all? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the NFL Network last night started releasing their top 100 players in the NFL. Roquan Smith was on that list. There wasn't a Bronco inside linebacker that got anywhere close to it, right? Josie Jewell, Jonas Griffith before he got hurt. Joe Schobert isn't going to get anywhere near that list. I mean, Roquan Smith is a difference maker. He is a great, great football player. You put him on the middle of that defense, he's a sideline-to-sideline kind of guy. The Broncos haven't really had that since Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall. So I would make that move in a heartbeat. I would give up a, you know, to me, the the position the Broncos have, you know, an an excess at is running back. And people don't like to hear this. And when you posted it, when you asked me down training (laughs) camp, the comments were all about what an idiot I am. I get it. 
But Melvin Gordon is a serviceable running back, more than serviceable. They'd be fine. If I had to give up Javante Williams to get Roquan Smith, I would make that trade in a heartbeat or give up a package of picks. And, you know, maybe they got to be down the road because you don't have as many next year due to the Russell Wilson trade. But I would make that move in a heartbeat. I think he makes this team a lot, lot better. Well, first cuts are due by the end of tomorrow. It's it's that time of the year, right? Unfortunately, people are going to start losing their jobs, but we're really going to see who this team ends up being. I'm expecting some to be announced today. James, is there any names that you think that we saw out on Saturday that most likely may not make it through tomorrow night? I mean, I'm sure there will be some, right? And it'll be guys that uh, you're watching the game. And you're like, man, I haven't seen that guy all training camp. And I don't mean to pick on him, but like, J.R. Reed. There was a name and a player that I hadn't seen at camp, and I saw him a bunch on Saturday night. You know, his his, his name was called a ton, but you kind of got to look at it and say, hey, if you're out there in the in the third and fourth quarter of the first preseason game, you're pretty far down the depth chart. So it's it's guys like that. He actually had a nice game, so I don't want to don't want to pick on him. Um, but that's the one name that pops to my mind. Of you know what we haven't talked about number twenty at all in the fourteen days we were down at camp, and here we are watching him in the game. You could have, you know, you could have spotted me the t- number 20 and JR, and I wouldn't have got his name right prior to the game. So uh, it, it'll be players like that, guys that certainly, you know, can play football, probably just not going to play at this level. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has interested me a ton, and I can't even believe we're having this discussion after kind of how this position has been the last couple of years, but the tight end, the fact that there are so many tight ends for this Broncos team on the unofficial depth chart that was released, and Eric Saubert comes in at number four, which I thought he had a spectacular camp, so that number surprised me, but what's your takeaway? I don't think we've really talked about tight ends to be completely honest, James, now that I think about it, but what's your takeaway on what the tight end room could possibly look like when this is all said and done? Well, Albert O had a good training camp. Uh, You know, he became a a favorite target of Russell Wilson, particularly in the last week of training camp. And he looked good against the Cowboys Mm -hmm. uh, in in practice. He was not good on Saturday again with a, a, just a whiff on a block that wound up. I think it was Mike Boone. I forget who got tackled in the backfield. Actually, it might've been Josh Johnson who got uh, drilled on a play, but it was Albert O who just whiffed on the block. So he continues to have issues in that phase of the game. Really good receiver, uh, receiving tight end. So I think he'll stay at number one. I'm surprised that uh, Greg Dulcich is listed at number two on the unofficial depth chart. I get it. He's a third-round pick. But how, how many times was he on the field during camp? Three or four or five, a handful. And all was kind of limited because he was coming back from the injury. Saubert's a guy who had a good camp, particularly early. I think if you'd have gone the first four or five days and said, hey, who's been the surprise of camp? He would have been everybody's pick. It sort of tailed off after that. Tomlinson is the blocker, so, you know, I think he'll make it. Andrew Beck's the guy who can play fullback, so he's the he's the hybrid. So I think really the interesting piece of this is can Alberto, block, you know, figure out how to block better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anybody's going to expect him to be a road grader, but can he at least be effective in that? And then, you know, can Greg Dulcich get on the field? If he can't, it's a pretty thin position. And I think heading into camp, tight end and inside linebacker, were the two spots that you kind of looked at and said, man, these rooms aren't very deep. I felt a little bit better heading into the game because I, because of how good Alberto was in camp. Mm -hmm. I'm back to kind of feeling like, man, they're, they're thin at tight end because he, uh, he showed in the game, he showed a lot of those same issues he had a year ago uh, with his inability to block. They just don't have a complete tight end in the six that they have on the unofficial depth chart. And that's kind of hard to believe, you know, they all kind of have certain things that they do. 
well, I wouldn't say great, but there's just no complete package when it comes to tight end. Yeah, you want to combine Alberto and, and Tomlinson, right? A receiver right. and a blocker, Alberto and Saubert. Saubert probably at this point is the most well-rounded. He's a, he's a good blocker. He made some plays in the passing game. Last year in preseason, he had the great kind of circus catch in the, in the preseason game up in Seattle. So I think he's a better receiver than maybe we give him credit for. Doesn't have the blazing speed, can't really stretch the defense down the seam like Albert O can, like Noah Fant used to. So I think that's why people don't think of him as a receiving tight end. Greg Dulcich, you know, I think they want him to be that guy. And he says he can block. We didn't really see it in college, and we haven't really had a chance to see it here because of the, I think it's a hammy with him yep. uh, that, is, that has hampered him since before camp started. It's just been one of those things that lingered the entire camp. In fact, I think mini camp, actually. Yeah. So he heard it a while ago, and he's still not back from it. So, uh, yeah, they don't. You're right. They, they do not have a, a, a complete tight end. They, they, you know, you don't want to tip your hand if, hey, Albert O's in, it's a passing play. If Tomlinson's in, it's a running play. You certainly don't want to be that predictable. Mm-hmm. So they really need to find somebody who can at least give them a little bit of balance. That is a, uh, that is a concern as, as, as we go down this last four weeks and go through the preseason and get toward that opener. Can Alberto be a competent blocker? That's all you need. That's the easiest solution, Rachel, of, of what's out there. I think that's an easier answer than can Eric Salbert become a really good receiving tight end and stretch the defense. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to get faster. I mean, that's not going to happen. But I do think Alberto is somebody that could probably, uh, you know, he, he's a better blocker than he was a year ago. I think he's a better blocker than what he showed, particularly on that one play against the Cowboys. But he needs he needs to button that stuff up. Oh, he really does. Well, there are some complete players, and that's why they do the NFL Top 100 list. And two Broncos came in on the list. Uh, Justin Simmons coming in at number 81, and then 61 was Russell Wilson. So now this is actually kind of a surprise because this is the lowest Russell Wilson has ever been in his career. Uh, our very own Andrew Mason wrote a story at DenverFan.com. He laid it out back in 2013. He was 51, which was the second lowest now. Um, and he's got all the way up in 2020. He was number two on the list. So James, does this surprise you where he comes in at? Not really. He's coming off a little bit of a down year. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the injury to his finger. He was playing really well prior to that. Um, you know, the first six weeks of the year, he was in the MVP conversation. He kind of tapered off. Then he had the injury, came back probably a little too soon, ended up with not great numbers. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't win a ton of games in Seattle last year. So it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, it, part of me looks at that and says, ah, oh, you want to be all bent out of shape. And then part of me is like, when's the last time the Broncos had a quarterback who was in the top 100? Right? Like, Pink Manning, that was it. So let's let's stop, you know, being upset about the fact that oh, he only came in at sixty-one, and instead say, hey, we have a quarterback who came in at sixty-one. Like, imagine that, right? So, I, I think next year he's going to be a top twenty player because he's going to have a monster season. He, he's on the list. He moved down, you know, appropriately because he's coming off of a down year. Don't worry about it too much. Don't uh, don't panic too much. The fact that the Broncos have a the sixty-first best player in the league and he's playing quarterback for him. That's a uh, that's a blessing. Let's just let's just focus on the positive. You kind of answered my question there in there a little bit, but James, are we too high on Russell Wilson compared to the rest of the country because we're so excited about him? No, I think the rest of the country is high on him too. I, mm-hmm. I think sixty one is not a it's not a knock, no. right? It's interesting to see how many quarterbacks come in ahead of him. I mean, we could go off the top of our head and probably come up with 
seven or eight, right? And the, the ESPN poll that came out earlier in the year uh, or, or during the summer that we went over a bunch, I think they had him at eighth. And you look at the seven quarterbacks ahead of him, it's like, okay, yeah, Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl and, you know, Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs and Patrick Mahomes is a great player. Like it's mm-hmm. the guys he's behind are the elite of the elite and he's still in that category. So yeah, the, 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 the players around the league, Kevin, I'm coming at 61 ESPN poll in front office guys. And he's the eighth best quarterback in the league. That's still pretty darn good. Um, so no, I don't think we're overhyping him at all. I do. I think he's going to move up both those lists by the end of this year. Yeah, because I think he's going to prove that, hey, I'm still the same Russell Wilson I was a couple of years ago. But I think, you know, we're a little more bullish on him because we got, you know, part of it's hoping. But I think everybody's bullish on Russell Wilson. I I don't get a sentiment from around the league and around the country that people are down on him at all. Only in Seattle. Uh, I do want to point out, Paul just said, good job, James. He's not being a Debbie Downer today. James, we're starting our Monday off on a great note. Hey, see, this is the thing people don't get. Rachel, I'm a realist. So when, when the team's going through the worst stretch in their NFL history, I'm going to seem pretty negative. Mm-hmm. When they're coming off of a uh, great practice against the Cowboys and win in preseason game one, uh, a team that I think is going to go 11 and – or pick them to go 11 and 6, I actually think I may have to put that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be positive. That's what a realist does. When things are good, you're positive. When things are bad, you're negative. Okay, fair enough. Mike also says logical or, or, or illogical, it will not matter. matter. Man, I cannot talk on this Monday. Marla is going to get roasted for even suggesting Denver trade Williams for Roquan Smith. I will get roasted. That's fine. It, that, that doesn't matter. Your kids uh, love it. Would, would the Broncos be better in 2022 with Melvin Gordon and Roquan Smith or with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams playing the same position? Anybody who looks at it objectively would know they're better off with Melvin Gordon and Roquan Smith. They just are. True. I would love to see someone debate you on uh, having Javante over Roquan. I'm not going to lie. That would be fun, James. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd Roquan. Be, I'd be down for that. He's a, he's a great player, honestly. Uh, and it's a position that the Broncos do need, even with their no or their new signing. So we will see. I don't anticipate anything happening with it, but it is kind of fun to speculate. I do want to talk about Nathaniel Hackett, his first time as a head coach on the sidelines for the preseason game. How did you think he did? I thought he did great. You know, one of the things uh, I was looking forward to in the game, you know, when you know none of the starters are playing or basically none of the starters are playing, you start kind of thinking of like, okay, what are other things that I, I want to see that need to be takeaways? And it was, hey, does Nathaniel Hackett and his staff, it's the first time he's been a head coach. It's the first time all the coordinators have been coordinators. It's the highest jobs they've had. Do they seem like they've got things under control and they know what they're doing and it's just organized? And that's the thing we haven't seen here for three years. And people think, oh, you need to get over Vic Fangio and you keep beating up Vic Fangio. No, I'm just comparing the guy who just had his first game to his predecessor. Mm-hmm. And what we saw on Saturday was a, co- a coach who seemed to completely be in control. The way they managed the clock at the end of the first half was to perfection. He was involved with the offense and the defense. They would show him on the sideline and he was actually speaking to people on the sidelines, which is new. He didn't seem like he was uncomfortable not being up in the booth and just some of the nonsense we've had to deal with the last three years. I thought he was, I thought he was really, really good. Now it's a lot less pressure in preseason when you get the ball in your own 10 yard line with a minute two to go in the first half and you decide to throw the ball down the field and go for the field goal up 14, nothing in the regular season, you might take a knee and run into the locker room. So it's different but there wasn't anything that came out of that game in terms of game management and just, you know, kind of knowing the systems and having a plan and how you were going to handle things. 
there wasn't one thing coming out of that game that, that, that raised the red flag. That's a win. That's a victory. I thought Nathaniel Hackett did a great job. No, I'm with you 100%. He was excited on the sidelines, too. Anytime there was a big play, you saw him get excited. And honestly, you saw both benches get super excited, too, which I love. It's not just, hey, one side of the ball, one side of the ball. It's a team thing, which we're seeing. But we did see Nathaniel Hackett running stairs before the game started, getting in a little bit of his workout like we um, showed. If you had to guess, what would you say is the worst stadium workout? Because the idea of running stairs, James, sounds miserable to me. Yeah, I'm kind of a running stairs guy. I'm a, oh, I'm a, I'm a stair stepper person, <laughs> so I would actually like that. But here's a, here's a good little sign, right? If you go to Ball Arena way before games, you'll see Jared Bednar doing the same thing. So, hey, maybe that's the, the, the secret sauce here for coaches in uh, in Colorado is running the stairs in the arena or the stadium before the game worked for Jared Bednar. Here's hoping it works for Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, no, I love that. I would be great too, but I, I just think it's funny. Like I, I have the picture of the idea of like running from the 10 yard line to the 50 yard line, doing the suicides back and forth. I'm like, or yeah. would I rather do the stairs? I think I would rather run the suicides. Like stairs sucks. Jay. I know you do them like every morning for your workout. I don't know how you do them, but they just suck. They, no, they're not fun. I'm not saying they're fun. It just kind of becomes the, the mental battle. That back and forth, oh, that's that, that's pretty tough, too. I think I would pick the stairs, but, you know, look, we're picking between two things that are both going to be miserable, right? True. Yeah, I guess at the same time, whatever. But you're going to work out and you're being healthy. Hopefully there's that championship mentality like Jared Bednar. Also, did you see the rain that came down at Empower Field? Because I need to get props to the 64,000 fans that were in attendance. A lot of them stuck it out, and it was pouring, James. Yeah, the fact that there were 64,000 people there for a game we all kind of knew none of the starters was going to play was impressive. Mm-hmm. That's the norm, though. You know, I heard Zach By talking about it yesterday with Brandon Lloyd on, on the fan, and that's just kind of the way it is around here. I mean, it usually and it used to be even more than that there for a preseason game. They get pretty good attendance for it. They'll stick it out. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have a lightning and, and, and delay from that standpoint. We've seen that a lot in the preseason in the last decade or so. So, yeah, it's got to be hardy, but it was a warm day. It's a warm rain. It's not like it was freezing cold. I mean, you know, we don't need to give them too many ribbons for that. True. Um, our very own Jake Shapiro on the back end did ask, James, do you do the Manitou incline? I have not, but I would love to do it. I just have never been down to do it. Um, so I would very much be into that. It is on my, it's on my to-do list for sure. I have done it once. It was miserable. You you feel so confident at the beginning, and you're like, oh, this isn't too bad. And then you're like an eighth of the way up, and you're like, holy smokes, we have a long way to go. It's it's pretty brutal. And I we've seen people that have like run the entire thing. We see the avalanche. They take their um, training camp and a bunch of stuff and go up there to player development camps. It's tough, James. It's really tough. That's what I've heard. How many steps is it? Do we know ballpark what, roughly what it is? Gosh, I can't even remember. Our William Jake will look it up because he's he's great at that kind of stuff. But it's tough. Um, two thousand seven hundred and forty-four steps. Two thousand feet okay. elevation. Well, and I know it's not apples to apples, Rachel, but my everyday stair stepper workout is forty-one hundred. So I I feel like that would train me for this, and I'd be fine. Which means I'd probably, you. which means I'd probably go and just not be able to complete it. But I, I feel like I'd be ready for it. How long does that take you every morning? Thirty minutes. Well, you could probably do the incline. Yeah. So Eat some breakfast. I think I would be, but I'm more, I'm not a morning workout person. I'm more of an afternoon, but you have to do the incline in the morning. Otherwise the heat is just too much. Yeah. So I feel like you probably are getting yourself into it. So 
Good job. I'm, I'm going to put it on my to-do list. We'll see how, we'll see if A, I can make it. I'm not 100% sure I can because sometimes mm-hmm. it's like running on a treadmill and then you go out and try and run a marathon. It's like, it's not the same thing. Sure. Um, so we'll see if I can make it. And if I can, how, how fast I can do it to compare the two. Maybe we're going to switch roles for a day. I'm going to let you be the um, videographer and do it in the sports office as you climb the incline. I think it would be fun. Yeah, so we can have video of me passing out. That sounds like fun. There you go. Well, we do have to tell you about an exciting opportunity for student athletes. Parents register to win a year-long membership at Redline Athletics Centennial for your students. Redline Athletics brand new state-of-the-art speed and agility training facility is the ultimate spot for your student athlete to take their performance to the next level. Redline Athletics helps build a better student athlete. Enter today. You can check out Denver Fan dot com for more information so an exciting opportunity again for student athletes we're definitely here um check out redline athletics but we need to talk about the colorado rockies james because there was a facetime call this weekend that just absolutely took over social media so go ahead and take a listen everybody mom i'm going to the major leagues (laughs) i'm going mama i'm going mom i promise I promise, Mom, I'm going. Well, you worked hard. You deserve it. You deserve it. Mom, you don't know. You don't know how many times. Oh, I think about <laughs> you taking care of Dad. <laughs> and it would keep me going. Because I'm like, if she could go through all of that, if she could go through all of that, then I could do this. I can I can do it. And you give me you give me a lot of inspiration, Mom. And I promise I'm going to keep working just as hard. When when I'm up there, I'm going to be working just as hard. Oh, my gosh. That just makes you smile. And uh, seeing his mom's reaction, too, I think is what really gets you. I think if you just saw Wynton Bernard's face, you probably wouldn't get quite as emotional. But honestly, 10 years in the minors and to get called up to the majors, James, I can't even imagine the emotion. Yeah, no doubt. uh, That was a really cool moment to be able to kind of peek in on it and uh, eavesdrop on it was was really kind of cool. So uh, good for him. Hopefully, you know, he gets the call up and he stays up here and he's a uh, not just a feel-good story for the Rockies, but a guy who can turn into a, a, a contributor for him. So haven't been a lot of good news stories and things that make you feel good about that team this year. That was certainly uh, that was certainly one of them. And, yeah, I mean, I, sometimes, you know, you forget the, the struggles that these guys go through and all the work they put in to get to this level – and the fact that they're people too, right? They're not just guys that are on the TV. They're not just, you know, caricatures when we're playing them on, playing the video game with them, uh, that you you kind of got that humanity uh, mm-hmm. aspect of it there in, in that clip. So that was really, really uh, awesome to see. It's also one of those stories for kids. You know, you hear so much of, oh, after 10 years, I'm sure people told him to, to stop playing baseball, stop playing the game you love, whatever. But it's a great story of, hey, stick it out and good things will happen to you as you continue to work hard. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, um, you know, the easiest thing to do in life is to quit, right? Yes. So to continue persevering and working at it and knowing you can do it, even though maybe everybody else is telling you you shouldn't, a lot of people are going to tell you, I ah, don't do it. You know, they, 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 that's the that's easy thing for them to say and it's easy to listen to it. So yeah, you, uh, you, you got to block out the negativity and uh, stay at it. And that's a testament to it right there. For a lot of people that don't know, James is the football coach or an assistant football coach of his son's football team. So James, I'm sure you work with kids, obviously, all the time. How often do you have to tell them you got to work hard and able to make the games? Every single practice. 
So almost every single day, um, you know, it, it, and, and that goes for everybody across the board, right? If you're one of those kids that can just kind of roll in and throw on your cleats and you're one of the best athletes on the field, it's like, well, you still got to work at it because, A, there's a lot of those kind of kids, uh, you know, if you do all the teams, everybody's got one of those. And at some point, you're not going to be that. You got to keep working. And if you're the kid who, you know, maybe you weren't just as blessed with God-given ability, then you really got to work hard and push through it. And a lot of times those are the people that turn out to be the better players anyway. So yeah, it's a, it's a constant, constant lesson. And whether it's in drills or conditioning or whatever, I mean, you know, it's the reason why the, hey, the easiest thing to do in life is to quit. It's funny you bring up my team because Rachel, I say that almost every single day during conditioning. It's just the thing you kind of got to beat that drum over and over and over again. What position does your son play? He's the quarterback. Okay, so question. How does dad as coach, how how does that relationship work? Because I've always been interested. Does he get it a little bit harder, James, or are you pretty fair along the board? Well, I coach the defense, so I don't coach him. Um, that, that's the head coach's job, and, you know, yeah. he, he, he worries about the offense. Now, I used to coach him, you know, when he was little, mm-hmm. and we were playing flag football. And yeah, I was harder on him than I was on everybody else. And we had a couple of those moments on the field where I would get on him and he would give it right back to me. But, you know, it's, it's competition. It's the heat of the game and everything. It, it was all fine. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I intention. well, I was going to say I intentionally don't coach him. The, the head coach and the person who does that, um, he's much more qualified to run that side of the ball than I am. So it works out well that I just can let him do it. And I don't have to deal with coaching my son on a day-to-day basis, but it can be a little tricky. Can he, your son throw further than you can? Oh yeah. At this point. Yeah. yeah. How old? 13. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's, sure. my, you know, he's got the size 13 shoe. He's got the giant hands. Like oh my God. He, he's, he's got the, uh, he hit the genetic lottery that I did not hit. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you kind of brag about your son. One more part on this is, of course, again, don't quit, work hard. It's all of those things we're told every single day. But at the exact same time, we all love sports for one reason, and that's to be able to cheer on and to be able to escape reality too. So, James, one week away from another game, uh, what are you really looking forward to in camp this week? Uh, you know what? It, it'll be interesting to see because they're in, you know kind of integrating some of these guys who come back, right? I know we won't see Randy Gregory and Billy Turner, you wouldn't think in the game at Buffalo, particularly Randy Gregory, maybe Billy Turner. He's kind of been the mystery. We haven't really heard much about him. We don't really know kind of the extent of the injury. There was never a timeline. We've always kind of had a timeline with Randy Gregory of, hey, we're shooting for week one. We think we're going to hit week one. So the Billy Turner situation, does he get you know right back in there? Is Calvin Anderson still the, the one? And then what do they do to fill the Jonas Griffith hole, the void, right? Do they put Barrett Browning back in the inside? which again goes back to earlier in the show. I don't know about bouncing the guy back and forth and he looks so good at edge mm-hmm. or do they get creative and kind of create this Micah Parsons type position and have Baron Browning fill that role. So what are they going to do there with guys who have left the injury and then guys who are coming back from injury and how does it all work? That'll be interesting. And then, you know, first road game for Nathaniel Hackett. Can they go to Buffalo and look like they, you know, I don't care if they win or lose. I don't, it's all kind of how it looks. And does it look like they know what they're doing and they're organized and they have a plan and everybody's on the same page? That'll be fascinating to watch on a Saturday morning as well. A, an early preseason game, which is weird. 
11 a.m. come Saturday morning. Yeah, everybody buckle up. It's going to be a lot of fun. As always, all week long, we'll have everything you need to know at denverfan.com. You can catch up on everything here on Coffee Break, 1030 a.m. Monday through Friday as well. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us and spending your Monday, and we will see you guys all tomorrow. Bye, everyone.